1: Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host, and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Here we are in a decade when technology is advancing at a faster rate than ever before. The pressure to innovate is all around us. But from an innovation standpoint, what's essential and what's not? Where do we choose to make investments? How far ahead of the technology adoption curve do we really need to be? And how do we innovate without overwhelming our respective teams? These are the types of questions today's manufacturing leaders are being forced to answer all the time. In today's conversation, our guest will talk about why innovation matters so much right now. He'll illustrate some common misconceptions about innovation. And most importantly, he'll talk about how today's manufacturing leaders can formalize innovation to stay relevant, drive growth, and mitigate the often overwhelming stressors that come along with innovating. Let me introduce him. Jeff Winter is the Senior Director of Industry Strategy for Manufacturing with Hitachi Solutions. With over 18 years of experience working for different industrial automation product and solution providers, Jeff has a unique ability to simplify and communicate complex concepts to a wide range of audiences, educating and inspiring people from the shop floor up to the executive boardroom. As part of his experience, Jeff is also very active in the community of Industry 4.0. He currently is a part of the International Board of Directors for MESA, the Manufacturing Enterprise Solutions Association, the leader of the Smart Manufacturing and IIoT Division of ISA, the International Society of Automation, a US registered expert for IEC, the International Electrotechnical Commission, as a member of TC65, and is on the Smart Manufacturing Advisory Board for Purdue University. Jeff, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Awesome, man. Well, we're, you're you're long overdue. We've been in, in touch for a good while, and I'm glad we finally got lined up to, to get you here on the show. And I'm excited about the conversation we're going to have here. I am too. And I got to point out, I, I saw you were recently named the number one influencer on Analytica's list of top industry 4.0 influencers. So congrats, first of all.
0: Thank you I, I honestly i've I've gotten like I don't know sixteen or so awards in the past year, and that that was the the biggest one. that one and it was mainly because of it's mostly statistically driven. It's not like a a panel of people that vote on you. it's it's driven by who actually is the most influential online. So I was excited.
1: That's super cool. yeah, I mean huge huge honor and not surprising just given what what I see you talking about and and your're following out there. So, yeah. Congrats. We're going to be talking a lot about innovation here and sort of misconceptions about innovation and formalizing innovation and some examples of that happening inside of the manufacturing sector. And I think I want to just sort of open it up here by asking the real simple open-ended question, why is innovation so important in manufacturing at this moment in time?
0: That's a great question. And if you do follow me on LinkedIn, you know, I love talking about the subject of innovation. I kind of like to start with describing how I view innovation. So my personal favorite definition of innovation is the practical implementation of ideas that result in the introduction of new goods or services or improvements in the way that goods and services are offered or brought to market. And innovations emerging from all sorts of unexpected places that can support both the top line and the bottom line improvement of manufacturers. And those that are digitally transforming are finding newer and more ways to innovate. Now, you may be familiar with the technology adoption curve that is most notably attributed to Everett Rogers. And if not, it's it's a sociological model that describes the adoption or the acceptance of new products or innovation based off of characteristics of defined adopter groups and explains how individuals, how managers, and even organizations behave in implementing new and innovative technologies. And this adoption is typically taken on a normal distribution shape with the majority of people falling in the, the early majority and the late majority adoption fate. Is this But there's very few innovators out there. But in 2020, there was actually a paper in the the Journal of the Midwest Association for Information Systems that's called Technology Adoption and Disruption, where they describe this adoption curve taking on a positive skew, shifting people more heavily into the the earlier phases of adoption. And innovators and early adopters are no longer considered a fringe. They're actually becoming more of the norm. And the implications of this would be pretty impactful. I mean, we would see faster market penetration, increased demand for innovation, greater risk tolerance of people willing to try new things and potentially even a bit more volatility in the market. Now, that being said, the Chief Innovation Officer role or CINO is a role that didn't exist 20 years ago. And today, roughly 30% of Fortune 500 companies, according to Forbes, have that role in place. And in addition, according to LinkedIn, there are over 13,000 people now with that exact title of chief innovation officer and over 270,000 people with a title that includes innovation in it. So, yeah, it's taking off. But in the absence of this role, the the innovation responsibilities are most likely actually falling on the the burden is falling on the shoulders of the chief information officer, CIO, at least 40 percent of the time, according to IDC. This means that the CIO is no longer just focus on managing information systems and data systems and knowledge systems, but now the role is about driving innovation by accelerating all the other functions of a company through integrated and new technologies. And business leaders, and especially these CIOs, know that technological progress and market conditions are changing so fast that failure to react quickly can be catastrophic. And so all companies need to be innovating more and faster than they ever have before. And if you were to go, what's what's driving all this? I'd probably say two things. First is the amount of data that is being generated today is mind-boggling. According to Statista, we're estimated to generate 120 zettabytes worth of data this year alone. And if you've never heard of a zettabyte, that is a one followed by 21 zeros. Or you can think of it as a trillion gigabytes for one zettabyte. We're expected to make 120 of those. This is an obnoxious amount of data, and that data is ripe for use for all sorts of innovation. And the second is the speed of technological advancement. I mean, look at how long did it take ChatGPT to be something that no one's ever heard of to be released and hit 100 million users? Took less than two months. We've never had anything really close to that in terms of adoption before. So those are the main drivers of why innovation is so important right now.
1: Wow, yeah, packed a lot in there. You know, I I actually am thinking of a, something that I saw you post on LinkedIn that was referenced by one of my guests recently, and it was it was sort of a a look at you know the the speed of technology advancement, but at the same time the rate of or the I guess the ability of companies to be able to adapt to change. And I imagine there's a there's a stressor going on for a lot of companies right now in terms of like we know we need to be out ahead of of you know on, on the innovation front because of everything that's happening and how fast technology is changing. But how do we integrate these changes into our company when there's you know? It's hard for people to adapt and change so quickly. So I don't know I mean I don't know what a, a companies are experiencing but I, I get the sense that there's probably a lot of overwhelm with you know what technology do I do I choose and and what what can wait till later so I'm, I don't know I'm just kind of curious to hear your your take on what you're seeing on that front.
0: Well, absolutely. And that post you're referring to is about a concept called Martex Law, which Mm -hmm. basically says the speed of innovation is significantly outpacing the organizational change necessary to, to adapt it. And cataclysmic events can can start to like reset those two. So things like COVID was a big example of one that that helped to pull those together because the organizations recognize they have to change. Hopefully, we don't get to needing more cataclysmic events to help to to help to right set those. But it is a problem that the industry as a whole struggles with: is technology comes out faster than organizations are ready to change, and even as organizations change, you know, start to change faster, the technology comes out even faster. There is no great answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting time in that regard. Jeff, what are some of the most common misperceptions about innovation?
0: Oh, another another great question. So there's actually quite a few misconceptions about innovation that I've come across, but I'll just kind of name a couple of my, my favorite ones that I reference a lot. So first is innovation is not the same thing as invention. Invention and innovation, while closely linked, are completely different concepts. So invention refers to the creation of something completely new and previously unseen, a novel idea, a method or a product that comes into existence for the first time. Innovation, however, is a broader concept that encompasses not only the creation of new ideas or products, but also the enhancement, the modification or new application of existing ones. This would mean that all inventions are innovations, but not all innovations are inventions. The second is innovation is not always about technology. While technology often plays a key role, innovation isn't limited to it. So a great framework to get you thinking about innovation as more than just a technology or new product is Doblin's 10 types of innovation, their framework. And this framework has 10 areas of innovation that are structured into three categories, configuration, offering and experience. So the configuration portion You know, it includes your your profit model, the way you make money, your network, how your connections as an organization create value, your structure, basically aligning your talent and your assets and your processes all together. It also goes over your 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 offering is the other one where most people focus on. And that is where you include your product system. The complementary products and services around what you offer and your product performance, which is around new features and functionality. And that last category is the experience, which includes your service, your channel, your brand, and even your customer engagements. So now most big breakthroughs end up being a combination of several of these types of innovation all coming together. So don't don't just focus on the new product enhancement, but the entire organization. Third is innovation doesn't happen in a eureka moment. I mean, very rarely is it just a sudden flash of, of genius. In reality, it's a long iterative process that involves experimentation, failure, learning, and even refining what you do. And lastly, you don't have to be creative necessarily to be innovative. Innovation is not solely the domain of the the creative types of people out there. It's a discipline that can be learned and practiced, and anyone, regardless of their role or background, can be innovative. Often, the best innovations come from a diverse team with different perspectives, just trying to figure out how to make their jobs better.
1: Oh, well said. A lot of great points in there. Jeff, you were recently talking to me about how formalizing innovation inside of a manufacturing organization is so critical. What exactly does formalizing innovation mean, and why does it matter?
0: Yes, I've I've come across this a lot because formalizing is pretty important. So formalizing innovation helps align creative efforts with strategic goals. So basically creating a systematic process for ideation and for execution. So it ensures that resources are allocated and processes are established to nurture, to test and to implement new ideas. I mean, without a formal approach, innovation will be sporadic and disorganized with valuable ideas overlooked, you know, efforts duplicated, or resources wasted. You may come up with a good idea, but it will be kind of far and few between. And it can lead to a lack of focus and direction, potentially stalling progress, and even hampering the company's ability to stay competitive, to adapt to change, or to even drive growth. So, if we were to to talk about like what would I focus on, there's a couple major steps manufacturers might uh, take to kind of achieve formalizing innovation. First is create an innovation strategy. So align the innovation efforts with the company's overall strategic objectives. Determine what types of innovation the company will focus on. You know, if you're going to do those Doblin's 10 types, which ones are you going to focus on? You know, is it more on the product? Is it the process? Is it the business model? And what goals and metrics will measure success against those? The second is establish an innovation leader with a team or committee. Now, depending on the size of your organization, this may be a dedicated full-time role and a dedicated team, or it may be just part of a you know part-time gig for several people, but there needs to be people assigned to leading it to managing it, and to tracking it. At Hitachi is just an example. We actually have a whole innovation team with over 50 people dedicated to it in just North America. And I really do believe that those companies that have dedicated innovation teams are going to constantly thrive with having better stuff come to market to solve problems. And third is cultivate an innovative culture. So you have to create an environment where employees are encouraged to Think creatively, to take risks, and to challenge the status quo. This could be fostering kind of open communication, promoting collaboration, recognizing and rewarding innovative ideas, and accepting failure as part of the learning process. Unfortunately, that last one is by far the hardest step, and so it requires a huge endorsement by the leadership and having management at all layers integrating this into everyday workflows. And probably the last one I'd say is provide resources and tools. So, you know, allocate, uh, this is everything from time, money, and personnel to support innovation. This may include creating innovation labs or spaces that people can do it. I mean, there's even some companies that dedicate a portion of everyone's time on innovative ideas and projects. You can invest in research and development, or you can provide training and tools to help employees think creatively and develop new, new ideas. Those would probably be the, the biggest steps I would recommend. Yeah, I love
1: this whole topic of formalizing innovation. I, I think that whether you're a, a large global organization like Hitachi, who has an entire department de- dedicated to innovation, or you know, I'm on the flip side and co leading a 28 person you know marketing agency. I mean. You know, trying to take on too much at once, making you know smart decisions about where to focus and you know what innovation is. You know, I guess just where the focus needs to be because there are so many things you could do. I mean, I've been in positions before throughout my career where we've tried to do too much at once, or it hasn't been communicated what we're actually trying to accomplish across the company, and it leads to dissent. It help you know people don't understand why we're doing too much; they get overwhelmed one thing that's been really helpful to us as a kind of a smaller organization is ever since we implemented EOS which we run our business on we you know there are three there's a three year picture everybody knows where we're trying to go as a company over the course of three years there are our decisions we make on a annual basis are we what what are the you know five things we really need to accomplish this year to stay on that three year picture and then each quarter how are we chipping off pieces of those you know five things for the year and just kind of having something that's kind of our, our own innovation strategy falls within the framework of that. So we were all focused kind of rowing in the same direction, I guess, in in terms of what we're actually committing to. And then you go in and you do it right. And you don't spread yourself too thin. The whole company is, is on board and understands the, the vision there. So love that whole response you gave there, Jeff. We're good. <laughs> Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla 76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Brendan, take it away.
2: So I'm Peyton Warren.
1: And I'm Brendan Forrest.
2: Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live.
1: Right now, we have a group of 50-plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations that meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter.
2: Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at gorilla 76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to do a better manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more.
1: After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses.
2: This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience.
1: And on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together between sessions.
2: We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register.
1: We'd love to see you there. I'd love to hear some examples. I know you've kind of thought through a few uh, you know, formalized innovation done right inside of real-life manufacturing organizations. You know, what, what do you have on that front for me?
0: Yeah, and I wish I had you know just a whole bunch that I can pull from here. So some of them are public and some of them are private. So I'm going to kind of reference two different styles here. So I'm going to start with the process side, meaning innovation as a process within the organization. Then I'm going to give an example of a company that did something really innovative from a product side. So from a process side, Procter & Gamble is actually a great example of doing innovation Right. So in 2001, P&G launched their, their Connect and Develop initiative as a strategic pillar of its innovation program. And it's an open innovation strategy where P&G collaborates with external partners, individuals, small businesses, research institutes, basically anyone, to co-develop new products. And one su- a successful example of this is actually the, the Swiffer Duster, which was developed in collaboration with a Japanese company. So this approach has led to significant increase in the number of new product innovations that they've had. And I believe by 2014, their CIO at the time said that the shift from traditional in-house R&D to leveraging external resources increased P&G's R&D productivity by 60% and halved the cost of innovation. And they've created other products, you know, in addition from this. I think another uh, famous one was the the Glad Force Flex trash bags. And so, like this this example, so you're aware, isn't new. It's been out there as a while, but just kind of like touted as a successful way a company not only came up with an innovative idea, but the innovative idea is about innovation to help their own company. So, from a product side, I really like Chelly Group as an example. So. Group is a global manufacturer, a global company based in Italy, that manufactures and services equipment for dispensing soft drinks, water, and beer. And they have something like 400 employees in six different production facilities. And they've been implementing an IoT strategy that connects them to their end customer and enables new service delivery and even new revenue models. So they implemented a model-based system with PLM and IoT at its foundation for this, this transformation that they did as an organization. And it includes a novel smart warranty program that's completely unique in their industry. So their warranty coverage is actually based on performance against specification rather than time and service. Basically, the warranty changes based on how often and how hard the equipment is used. So the harder you run it, the shorter the warranty. The less you run it, the longer. That's really innovative. But on top of that, by leveraging all the data from their IoT-connected products, they were able to improve profitability by significantly differentiating their products, their their tap and brewing offering, and it resulted in a 14% greater sell-through via enhanced sales and inventory management. They reduced equipment failure by 13%. They improved product quality by 27% just by monitoring temperature, shelf life, and sanitation cycles. They even reduced costs for service by 10% through better predictive maintenance. But the key to them was having their PLM and IoT, you know, integrated together as part of their digital thread, which in their case extends all the way out to their customer. So that was a whole bunch of innovation with with one small company. So I showed one of the biggest companies in the world and you know a small company and what they're doing. Great examples, well, Jeff. We can't
1: do a podcast episode about innovation in 2023 without talking about generative AI. Love to hear you talk about how. You know, this concept we just talked about formalizing innovation can help companies adapt when a massively disruptive technology like ChatGPT falls out of the sky.
0: That's that's a great example. And this is obviously the the newest, biggest disruptive technology that's out there. So in the context of ChatGPT, I would say a company with a formalized innovation process would be able to definitely identify its potential earlier on quickly prototype ways to integrate it into their operations or their offerings, whatever they're looking to do, quickly evaluate the benefits as well as the risks, and then systematically roll it out across the organization. So employees would be encouraged to to test it out. Now, you should have a policy in place for that, for how they test it out. But they would be encouraged to be playing with the technology to see where and how they can incorporate it into their company, either to help their job specifically or to help the company things like enhanced customer experience. I mean, the sky's the limit with the product. You just need to have an understanding of how it works, what it's good at and what it isn't. And the best way to figure that out quickly is to have an innovative culture with an innovation management process in place.
1: Oh, I love it. Jeff, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you'd like to add to this conversation?
0: I would just say that we're we're in a very exciting time right now in the era of Industry 4.0. And there is so much happening out there that those that are able to have a good vision, have a good strategy, and incorporate innovation as part of what they're doing, they're going to thrive in this world that we're living in. I mean, there is dozens of new technologies that are out there and new things coming out all the time. And I kind of view it as... Industry 4.0, those that are exceeding are figuring out how to link all these technologies together to fundamentally change the way that their company operates and the way that they provide value. And innovation is kind of at the the heart of all that. So I'm glad that this was the, the subject for today.
1: Yeah, this was a really great conversation. I, I love your 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 viewpoint on all this. I appreciate how thoughtful your answers were, and I, I've noticed. I know you and I've talked about this, but you you have very data driven, you know, responses to all these questions. And I, I I just think there's there's a lot people can learn from kind of following what you're talking about. So thanks for thanks for doing this
0: today. Well, thanks for having me here. This is this is fun. I like this is my first one on innovation, so I really like it.
1: Yeah, well, well, you did a great job. I'm sure you'll have more more ahead here. Can can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you, and also how they can learn more about what you're
0: doing at Hitachi Solutions? Well. The answer to both of those is very simple. I'm extremely active on LinkedIn. Follow me there, engage with my post, ask questions, share your comments. I respond to as many of them as I can. It's it's a great way to both learn both from me as well as all the other people there that kind of share a similar interest in the subjects.
1: Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thanks again for doing this today. Thanks for having me. You bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive